So I'm just going to throw this question out here. Show of hands, how many people here have ever gone through any kind of discouragement? Discouragement. Yes, yes, I see thousands of hands across the Colosseum. Well, that's, uh, that's pretty much everybody. Uh, I met someone a long time ago, and uh, it was a, he was a, actually he was a retired pastor, and he told me a while back that I just don't think Christian people should ever be discouraged. I said, well, why would you say something like that? He said, well, because, you know, if, you, if you're a Christian and you've got Jesus living inside of you and the Holy Spirit, and he says, how could you ever be discouraged? Well, I thought, <laughs> I, I don't know what planet he came from, but, you know, if you're, if you're like me, that's easier said than done. And I've been going to church since I was a zygote, a zygote, that's tiny, and I, I grew up in the church. I, I memorized the scriptures, and I know all the verses that talk about how God meets your needs. But you know what? Even Christian people can get discouraged. Amen? That's right. In the Bible, there were many godly people who went through times of discouragement. If you go back to all the way to Genesis, the, back to Abraham and Sarah, you know, they were elderly, and they didn't have any children, and they always, you know, back then you had 20 kids you know, per family to help, you know, to work on the farm and stuff. But, uh, you know, she was barren, no children. But what, so they were discouraged, but what made it worse? And the angel came and told them that, hey, you're going to be the father of many, many nations. And then 10 years go by and there's nothing. Eventually that, that promise did happen, but they went through times of discouragement. And also there was, uh, we know the story of Moses in the Bible, you know, grew up, he grew up in Egypt, uh, and he led the Hebrew children out of Egypt, about two million people at the time, and, and just all the grumbling and complaining that he had to deal with listening to, uh, to them. He got discouraged. King David, man after, the Bible says man after God's own heart, well, he went through discouragement. If you read through the Psalms, one psalm, you read one of the psalms, it's down real low. Lord, I just don't know what I'm going to do. But then another psalm is, Lord, I praise you and thank you. It, you know, so he's, he's just all over the place, but he did have discouragement. And then there was uh, the prophet Jonah, who if you spent three days in the belly of a, of a great big fish or a whale, whatever you want to call it, yes, that would be discouraging and also stinky. And then if you uh, look into the, into the New Testament, the New Testament, we read about Mary and Martha, and they had their brother Lazarus who died, and, and they were discouraged and didn't know why Jesus you know, didn't come sooner than he did. There were the disciples themselves, and this is just to name just a few people. Yes, folks, we have all had times of discouragement, and you know what? There's nothing wrong with that. As long as as long as we don't stay in the mud hole of discouragement. That's the issue. Back several years ago, there was a movie called Facing the Giants, and it's a, a story about a head football coach, Grant Taylor. Coach Taylor is having yet another losing season with his high school team from Shiloh Christian Academy. And get this, he begins his seventh season, are you ready, with a three-game losing streak. Anybody ever been involved with sports before? Okay. If you have, if you've ever been on a part of a, part of a losing team, that gets really discouraging. 
Well, he creates a new coaching philosophy and decides to give praise to God no matter what the result. And at the same time, he guides and urges one of his players, each one of his players, to give the maximum effort and motivates them to believe that, all, that they can win under God's guidance. We have a clip we want to show you. So, Coach, how strong is Westview this year? Well, strong than we are. You already written Friday night down as a loss, bro? Well, not if I know we can beat them. Come here, Brock. You too, Jeremy. What, am I in trouble now? Not yet. I want to see you do the death crawl again, except I want to see your absolute best. <laughs> what, you want me to go to the 30? I think you can go to the 50. The 50? I can go to the 50 if nobody's on my back. I think you can do it with Jeremy on your back. But even if you can, I want you to promise me you're going to do your best. All right. Your best. Okay. You gonna give me your best? I'm gonna give you my best. All right, one more thing. Why don't you do it blindfolded? Why? Because I want you giving up at a certain point when you can go further. Get down. Jeremy, get on his back. I get a good tight hold, Jeremy. All right, let's go, Brock. Keep your knees off the ground, just your hands and feet. There you go. A little bit left. There you go. Show me good effort. That way, Brock. You keep coming. There you go. It's a good start. A little bit left. A little bit left. There you go, Brock. Good strength. That's it, Brock. That's it. Forget the 20. You give me your best. You keep going. That's it. No, don't stop, Brock. You got more in you than that. I ain't done. Just rest for a second. You gotta keep moving. Let's keep moving. Let's go. Don't quit till you got nothing left. There you go. Keep moving. Keep moving. Keep moving, Brock. That's it. You keep driving. Keep your knees off the ground. Keep driving. Your very best. Your very best. Your very best. Keep moving, Brock. That's it. That's it. That's it. Keep going. Don't quit on me. Keep going. Keep driving. Keep driving. Keep your knees off the ground. That's it. Your very best. Don't quit on me. Your very best. Keep driving. Keep driving. There you go. There you go. That's it. You keep driving. Keep your knees off the ground. Keep driving. Don't quit till you got nothing left. Keep moving, Brock. That's it. That's it. That's it. Keep going. I want everything you got. Come on. Keep going. It hurts. Don't quit on me. Your very best. Keep driving. Keep driving. There you go. There you go. He's heavy. I know I'm, he's heavy. I'm bad out of strength. Then you negotiate with your body to find more strength, but don't you give up on me, Brock. You keep going, you hear me? You keep going. You're doing good. You keep going. Do not quit on me. You keep going. It hurts. I know it hurts. You keep going. You keep going. It's all hard from here. 30 more steps. You keep going, Brock. Come on. 10 more. 10 more. Keep going. Don't quit. Give me your heart. You can. You can. Five more. Look up, Brock. You're in the end zone. 
Influential player on this team. If you walk around defeated, so will they. Don't tell me you can't give me more than what I've been seeing. You just carried a 140-pound man across this whole field on your arms. Brock, I need you. God's gifted you with the ability of leadership. Don't waste it. Whoo! <laughs> Well, one of the reasons I like this clip is that they're from the South and they sound like me when they, when they talk. But have you, ever, have you ever felt like that kid on his hands and knees? Wow. With a, with a heavy, heavy burden weighing you down. Have you ever just felt like throwing in the towel? Well, folks, God wants you to know right now that whatever you're going through that he is right there for you. And the fact is, even though he's right there for you, your situation may not get any better. But you will know that he will never leave you or forsake you and that he will see you through. When Jesus left this earth, he told his disciples, he says, I'm going to send to you a comforter. And that's the Holy Spirit. And if you did a a search on that word, the, the Greek means paraclete. And when I think of paracletes, I think of, I think of what a soccer player wears on their feet. Not, not parakeet, but a paraclete. And what, and what is a paraclete for? To keep you standing firm in the mud. Whoo! I mean, that alone was the price of admission uh, right here today. When I started out in ministry, I was in seminary at the time, and I admit I was a, a bit idealistic and guilty at looking at church work through rose-colored glasses. Yes, I was an idealist, and I know it, admitting it is the first step in recovery. Uh, I was just starting out as a youth pastor at the time, and, uh, and I thought, wow, I'm, I'm going to get to work at a church and get to build relationships with, uh, with teenagers and hopefully lead some of them to Jesus. And I'll be working with, uh, with other staff that have the same passions as I do. And I'll be at a church where I'll have a church family and they'll love on me and I'll be in a family of strong Christian people. But you know, there's one thing that they didn't tell me when I was in seminary, and that is that sometimes the sheep will bite. I remember uh, I, I was discouraged about, you know, some, some comments that I had gotten. And, you know, way back then, email was a, was a new thing, you know. And, uh, and, and I had some disturbing little emails then. And, and I remember calling a colleague, friend of mine, who was also a youth pastor at another church. And I said, hey, uh, has anything like this ever happened to you? And he said, he, and he laughed at me. He says, hey... <laughs> If, if I, he said, if I didn't get at least five nasty notes a month from parents, I'd feel like I wasn't doing my job. And I just thought, wow, that's just kind of dysfunctional. But, but, but somehow, because I thought church is supposed to be in an encouraging place, but somehow all the dysfunction that can happen in, in churches, even in my home church growing up, sometimes the, uh, you know, that was hidden from me. But the reality is, is that, are you ready? There is no perfect church because it's made up 
of broken people. And, Susie, if you find a, a, a perfect church somewhere, as soon as you start going there, you've blown it uh, because it's no, it's no longer perfect. I would like to share with you today some steps that you can take if you are one who gets discouraged. And I think that's all of us, according to the show of hands we had. Now, we could easily build a whole sermon series around this subject, but in the time remaining today, I would like to share a few key steps in handling discouragement. And some of these steps are adapted from recovery ministry. And step number one in your notes, it says we have to admit that we are powerless over all the junk in our lives that's discouraging us. In other words, that means your hurts, your habits, or your hang-ups, or whatever it is that's discouraging you. It could be a physical issue. Now, some of you today that are here, you can't do the same things that you did 30 years ago. I remember one time I was trying to be a, be a, a hot shot in the gym slapping a bunch of you know weights on there and I ended up uh, tearing a rotator cuff and that was a that was about a nine-month recovery and that was just terrible uh, some of us here it may be a uh, a financial issue or maybe some older people we can't do things and we have to depend on other people and and move to a an assisted living place for others it may be a relationship issue or check this out, it could be, it could be a little sin, and we don't hear much about sin these days anymore, but today you will. It could be a little sin that keeps popping up in your life that you keep trying to give over to God, but you keep falling back into it, and then you come back to God for the umpteenth time uh, to seek help. Is anyone with me here on this issue? Yes. The light's in my eyes, so I'm assuming that a th another thousand hands went up. I'm reminded, uh, I'm reminded about the scripture, what Apostle Paul wrote in Romans 7.15, and he says this, For that which I am doing, I do, not under I do not understand, for I'm not practicing what I would like to do, but I'm doing the very thing that I hate. Hmm, sounds like to me the Apostle Paul might have been just a little frustrated or perhaps discouraged. Well, the reality is, is that there will be storms in life, but how we handle that storm is what's important, and that's what we're talking about today. And one way is, is knowing, like I mentioned, that you don't have to walk through the tough time alone, and that's, why, that's what our Stephen ministry is all about. They are trained volunteers who will confidentially come alongside of you each week for about an hour and listen to you and to give you encouragement with uh, whatever you're going through. And there's some literature in the pews there that talks about Stephen ministry, but I also invite you, at, when you leave here today, to see uh, Stephen ministers at the table right out in our lobby there. Well, moving on to step two, is that we have to believe that a power greater than ourselves can get us back on track. And guess who that higher power is? God is the higher power. But there is a constant war going on in the spiritual world. Yes, a tug of war, per se. Look again in the book of Romans. Now, this next passage of Scripture is, is kind of long and can be kind of confusing, but 
here we go. We're going to give it a try. And this is Paul saying, he says, if I do what I do not want to do, I agree that the law is good. That's the law of God. As it is, it is no longer I myself who do it, but it is sin living in me. For I know that good itself does not dwell in me, that is, in my sinful nature. For I have the desire to do what is good, but I can't carry it out. For I do not do the good that I want to do, but the evil I don't want to do, that's what I keep on doing. So now if I do what I do not want to do, it is no longer I who do it, but it is sin living in me that does it. So you see what's happening here? It's this internal war between right and wrong. It's kind of like this cartoon that we see over here. <laughs> I forgot what, uh, what, I forgot what uh, Disney movie that was from, but here we got a little good angel and a little bad angel. This represents our conscience. But let's bring it to a church level. I would say that the little angel on the, on the, uh, on the other side would represent the Holy Spirit. It's the Holy Spirit teaching us God's way. And it's the whisper of the Holy Spirit is what we are to lean into. And the way you hear the Holy Spirit is being, uh, is being in God's word and listening to him and, 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 and praying God, say, God, I've got this decision. I need you to speak your word to me. And the Holy Spirit will speak. He may not speak in a voice like I'm doing now, but God has his word for us to read, and that's how he speaks to us. There was an old Cherokee Indian teaching his grandson about life, and he says, there's a fight that's going on inside, going on inside all of us, and it's a terrible fight between two wolves. Wolf number one is evil. He is anger, envy, sorrow, discouragement, regret, resentment, lies, false pride, superiority, and ego. But then he continued. He says, wolf number two is good. He is joy, peace, love, hope, serenity, humility, and kindness, benevolence, compassion, and faith. And the same fight is going on inside of you and every other person too. Well, the grandson thought for a minute, and, and he asked his grandfather, uh, well, Grandfather, which wolf will win? And the old Cherokee Indian simply replied, the one you feed the most is the one that wins. So moving on to step three in your notes, we made a decision to turn our lives and our wills over to the care of God. Again, the Apostle Paul writes in Romans, he says, therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in the view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies. If you have your pen, circle that, will you? Offer your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God. Hmm, living sacrifices. Uh, theologian D.L. Moody once said that the problem with a living sacrifice is that it keeps wanting to crawl off of the altar. Yeah. But folks, what it boils down to is the word lordship. Lordship. It's, you see, it's one thing to ask Christ into your life and become a Christian, but more importantly is making Jesus the Lord of your life. That's the commander-in-chief of your life. And we could go on and on with many other steps, but one last step is this, and it's not a, really a recovery step, but it's this right here. 
Step number four is never give up. Never give up. Check out this little cartoon. This, is, this has been around for a long time. Have you ever felt like that frog before? Yeah. The, uh, the old heron thought he was going to have a quick little breakfast. But this picture here kind of represents, it kind of symbolizes my, uh, my struggle with weight loss. <laughs> oh, by the way, there's, there's some of my peeps uh, from LA Fitness in the Cape uh, over here. Hello. I told them I didn't recognize them with clothes on, but they, they, that was, that didn't really go over very well for some reason. But I tell you what, folks, I, I, bet I, have, I bet I've lost the same 20 pounds at least 30 times in my life. But one day, one day I hope uh, to keep it off for good. I'll get disciplined for a little while, and, but then I'll, I'll hit a plateau for weeks. And, and I'll, I'll text Michelle over here and say, Michelle, I, I really need some encouragement here. I, I, I'm just killing myself. I, I go to these, uh, these spin classes you know, when I, when I first heard a spin class, I thought, what is it? Everybody go in there and then they do this? No, a spin, oh, wow, hmm. Spin, uh, spin class is stationary bikes, but you really, really burn a lot of calories in that, and I'm just killing myself, and then, you know, doing weights, step on the scales, and for weeks, nothing. I mean, absolutely nothing. And then all I can think about is, why the heck am I doing this? I'm denying myself all these yummy things like, Publix fried chicken and key lime pie with those little slivers of almonds that go all around the, the perimeter of it. And so, you know, the other day someone asked me, they said, well, well Joe, maybe you should hire a personal trainer. I think, what? Personal trainer? I could be a personal trainer. If you struggle with weight loss, you've read all the material, you know uh, all the formulas and things, the, the low-carb diet, the ketosis. Oh, I can tell you all about ketosis and, and uh, that type thing. And, I, and I, said, I said, I don't need a personal trainer. I need to hire someone to follow me around and slap the burrito and taco out of my hand. <laughs> yep, yep. I got a witness back there. Yep. But you know, when I... It, when I fall off the wagon and, and cram all this stuff in my face that I shouldn't eat, I was like, man, I just really blew it. I just really, really blew my eating plan. But then, you know, I think, you know what? Tomorrow, and this is good, tomorrow is a new day, and I can start all over. Isn't that great? Aren't you, aren't you thankful for, for startovers, for do-overs? Aren't you glad that God gives you a do-over every time we fall off the wagon with him? Well, Paul in the Bible knew what it was like to struggle in ministry, but he kept pressing on. In, in fact, in 2 Corinthians 4, he says, We are afflicted in every way, but not crushed. We are perplexed, but not despairing. We are persecuted, but not forsaken. We are struck down, but we're not destroyed. As we get into... To our, our last step, point number five, I'd like to ask the praise team to come on up, back up, as we prepare to close things out today. Step number five says that, that we have to remember the promises of God's Word. Now, His promises are the goal that we hold on to. And there's so many scriptures that, that talk about this subject. In fact, Paul says again in Philippians 3, 
He says, brothers and sisters, the one thing that I do is forgetting what lies behind and reaching forward to what lies ahead. I press on towards the goal for the prize of, of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Whoo, that's some good stuff right there. Now, there's, a, there's, there's one other thing, that another step that I can mention. It's not in your notes, but you can write it in if you like. And that is that we have to be thankful in all circumstances. Now, notice I didn't say thankful for the circumstance, but we had to be thankful in the midst of the circumstance. We had to say, God, I thank you that I'm going through this tough time right now because I think that you're wanting to teach me something. Gratitude is a powerful antidote for discouragement. You may want to jot that down. Gratitude is a powerful antidote for discouragement. We, may, we may not be able to give God thanks for the difficult situation that we find ourselves in, but we can learn to look for things that we can be thankful for in the midst of the storm. And I close with this story. One day, a farmer had a, an old donkey that, that fell into the well. The animal cried for many hours, and as the farmer tried to figure out what in the world he's going to do, finally he decided that the donkey was old and well. You know, the, 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 the well was dry. It needed to be covered up anyway, and it just really wasn't worth it to go through all the, the effort and expense to, to get the old donkey out of the well. So he invited all of his neighbors to come over and help him, and they all grabbed a shovel, and they began to shovel dirt into the well. And at first, the donkey realized what was happening, and he cried horribly. But then, to everyone's amazement, he quieted down. A few shovel loads later, the farmer got curious, and he looked down into the well, and he was astonished at what he saw. For with each shovel of dirt that hit his back, the donkey did something amazing. He would shake it off, and then he took a step up. And as the farmer's neighbors continued to shovel dirt on top of the animal, he would shake it off and take a step up. And pretty soon, everyone was amazed that the donkey stepped over the edge of the well and happily trotted off. It's almost as if, that, if God had helped that donkey. The fact is, folks, that life is going to shovel dirt on you, all kinds of dirt. But the trick to getting out of the well is to shake it off and take a step up. Each of our troubles is a stepping stone, and we have to keep pressing on towards the goal. We have to never give up. And if you fall off that wagon, you dust yourself off and you keep on going. Weebles wobble, but they don't fall down. Thank you. So you dust yourself off, you keep on going, and we can get out of the deepest wells just by not stopping and never give up. So the next time that you feel like life is throwing dirt on top of you, you shake it off and take a step up. Shake it off and take a step up. Are you hearing me today? You shake it off and you take a step up. And you allow God, through the Holy Spirit, to get you out of that pit of discouragement. Let's pray. God, thank you so much that we can come to you. And we know that you are there with us. It's our prayer, Lord, that whenever we go through times of struggle, 
and tough times that we can always rely on the promises of your word that you will never leave us nor forsake us. You are awesome and wonderful. We praise your name. And as we continue to worship you today, Lord, may you be lifted up in everything that we do. We pray in Jesus' name.